We are here with Richard Horvitz. What's it like being a voice actor here at Rock and Shop? Talking to Mr. The Dome. Spooty, spoot, spoot. Eh, 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 Yes, Hello. I am Zim. Yes, yes. You're part of the collective now. Muscular beaver, whoosh. Just kidding. It's being like this. Hi, I'm a voice actor here at Rock and Shock for Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Could we have a better intro than that? Yes, you could not. Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Sci-Fi Saturday Night. We will begin in mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. It is now time for us to put Earth under our roof. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that you will give you witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message to bring your people. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Bye bye Saturday night. Good evening, everybody. It is TalkCast 182, and tonight, live from Ocean World, it's Clamu, the world's biggest clam night here on Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Deep in Area 51 on the sub-level 451, past the Motel 6 and 7 eighths, that still has a light on for you, directly adjacent to the book-burning pavilion and air-conditioning suite, I am the Dome. Joining the TalkCast tonight are many of our usual suspects from the Revere Time Vortex, Violent Soundboard Vixen, Chief Architect of All That Is Technical, and Queen of Unstable Petroleum Byproducts, it's Kriana. Must hack something. Type furiously. Well done. Thank what you. did you type? I don't know. Yeah, nobody oh, does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me before. <laughs> Me before. By the way, is Richard Horvitz the best voiced actor we've ever had on the show? Seriously? Yes. He's insanity. Ah, from the stacks of her personal silent zone in the Dank Dungeon reading room, cool, calm, collected. She's got books and robots and yarn. It's the Zombrarian. Yo. From the Four Color Vault of Comics in Manchester, New Hampshire, our lovely ingenue, the woman who's both red hot, icy cold, and clammy, which is why she's here for Clamu Night, joined by Barnabas, her zombie cat, it's the dead redhead. It's very Manilow night in Manchester tonight, folks. It's a miracle. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, Bandy. <laughs> seriously, is he there? He seriously yeah. is, yes. You it should is. raid his closet. <laughs> <laughs> so Manchester police is, is on high alert. And if you want to know that story, I'll tell you later. But yeah, <laughs> careful when it's very Manilow night. In his polyester zeppelin high above the Latvian steps, stepping on Latvians wherever he goes, it's Dave Von Doom. From this day forward, Latvians will only be able to eat pizza. <laughs> For no apparent reason, evidently. <laughs> Our guest tonight is Eric Evanson, creator of the graphic novel The Beast of Wolf's Bay. And Eric's claim to fame is that his name is actually spelled S-M-I-T-H and all the letters are silent. Eric, welcome to the show. Hello, thanks for having me. <laughs> well, you know, you've actually listened to the show before you came on, which shows uh, rare insight into what it is for no apparent reason that you're here. So uh, <laughs> it's been an odd, odd week, and I think we want to start Dead Redhead. Yes, with, we have uh, an RIP. Yeah, we. I, I hate starting with these, and yet, yeah, oh. we're going to. Because we lost one of the grandmasters this week. We lost Ray Harryhausen, who, if you don't know the name, because you should, if you listen to this show, we would talk about him here and there. Uh, Ray Harryhausen is one of the gods of stop motion animation. And if you've seen any of the originals of Jason and the Argonauts or any of the Sinbad movies, or just tons and tons of amazing stop-motion animation. It was probably Ray Harryhausen, and he was, he was an artist, and he really just took the art form by learning from the guys who actually did the original King Kong 
and he he studied under them and he turned it into his very first film uh, which was Mighty Joe Young. That's right. In 1949. Uh and he basically stole or borrowed a lot of the things that he had learned working under the people who were doing King Kong. Uh let me see. Uh The Animal World where he did uh seven or eight different dinosaurs through that earth versus flying saucers that's right 20 million he, miles to earth he put the flying saucer through the white house he's the that's the bit the scene that everybody knows yep. seventh voyage of sinbad mysterious island uh first men in the moon one million years bc hmm and why did i see that film that wonderful wonderful fight with between Sinbad and all the skeleton army from the golden voyage of Sinbad the voyage of Sinbad is just like so classic it's not even funny his last film was in 1981 clash of the titans he died at 91 so an incredible life with an incredible incredible uh legacy of film and uh animation and special effects one of the wizards and he had some Oscars, didn't he, Dome? I don't believe he ever got an Oscar. Oh, well, if they don't give him a special Oscar for all that he gave to filmdom, especially science fiction and fantasy, then they are sadly in need of doing so. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, pretty much. You know, it's, it's, it was a really good week for TV this week, for, for science, for genre. Uh Warehouse 13, second episode oh. since coming back. And wow, just uh, heartstrings aplenty as well as a great storyline. Even though Spike wasn't on it this week. It was okay. <laughs> it was just so good. I mean, oh my God. Just as you think, okay, this is whatever season they're on. They're on five now, I think, aren't right. they? Yeah, I think and so. And you think, well, five, they're going to start doing real stupid stuff and it'll be... Oh, Artie, the whole story with Artie and, and I won't do any spoilers, but what he had to get over and seeing everybody from whatever they call their watcher society there, Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Mrs. Weird old lady. Yeah. Yeah. Her group there. I mean, it was just so good. Every time you think it's going to get formulaic, it, it takes a left on you and does a really nice job of it. Really nice job of it. Orphan Black uh, is beginning to get a little bit formulaic, but still really good writing. But interesting. Yeah. I I, I was ready to, after the third episode, I was kind of like, mm, I, I don't know. But it, the story is picking up. And Can I continue to be impressed by the acting on Orphan Black? She yeah. gets to play all those characters. I don't, <laughs> and here's the thing. Every once in a while, um, we're a little bit behind, so we watched two episodes last night. And every once in a while, I would forget that it was the same actress playing all those characters. Yeah, it's actually so how good it is. distinct. Yes, yes, I agree with that. And uh, one of I wanted to put out there, you know how our listeners should know that we're always saying about, at least I am always saying, I'll take responsibility for it, that DC sucks in trying to make movies. They still do. but that's Well, okay. I'd like to add to that, the corollary to that would be that when the BBC takes something from the United States as they took Heroes and they turned it into, oh my God, the Misfits, yeah. And now, in this case, they took Ringers, which I'm sorry, but... It was a horrible show. That was, sorry, I couldn't even terrible. watch the whole thing. I couldn't even watch the first episode. I couldn't even watch the first episode when they and, the ocean in. That was it. I was done. <laughs> they just turn it. It's like the backwards. We take stuff from England, and we really muck it up. And they take <laughs> stuff from us, and they make it 100 times better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a sad situation, and meanwhile, Doctor Who, which is be just incomparable, absolutely incomparable. Did I hear a whine? It was so good. That's no. It was <laughs> what, like what was that supposed to be? It yeah, was I know. So good. It was kind of sad, and it was good. And yeah, Doctor Who. Yeah. It was sad. A little bit. 
Why? Well, look, I mean... I don't know, the whole thing with him first thinking she was dead and all that. But I have to say, I knew that was Diana Rigg. And, you know, I wish we were still doing our little trivia things. Because I'd say, who was Diana Rigg? Because I don't know if a lot of our... Are, are you talking about... Wait, which woman are you talking about? Diana Rigg it was the main character. Like the... Wait. The old lady? The old lady. Wasn't she on Doctor Who before? No, 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 no. I think my she dear, was. My dear, she is... She was the original Emma Peel. Peel from the Avengers. Right. And the cool thing was that that was her daughter who actually played her daughter in right. the episode. And that's what I thought was kind of sad. The whole thing with her giving the food to the monster and then the monster wasn't there. And that was cute. It's, it's funny, though, for you know, what purportedly is just a supposed to be a fluff series that's an adventure series. Um, it plays to your heartstrings from time to time quite nicely. And uh, having Diana Rigg on was, was quite a pleasant, pleasant uh, I surprise. I love that woman. I yeah. wanted to be that woman when I was growing up. I wanted to be Mrs. Peel. The I original Avengers with Patrick McNeil, oh. Diana Rigg, was just an amazing series. It's like the hottest thing on television. <laughs> oh my God, she was amazing. She was an independent woman and she could really kick ass. And her husband was had disappeared or something. And she was working with the British Secrets. Oh my God, I loved her. <laughs> it was a great show. So meanwhile, um, there's a whole bunch of new stuff uh, coming well, on. Wait, we didn't really talk about Doctor Who. Okay. We just well, sort of talked about that one girl. And okay. That's, that's so. nice for People. Go on with it. Go on with it then, young yes, lady. Please. First of all, Jenny, fuck yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I've been saying that since she first appeared, but she's getting better and better with every episode. She's no longer just the lizard woman's wife. <laughs> she came into her own right, I think. Yes. By a lot. I'm a lizard woman and this is my girlfriend. Anyway. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, I'm right. a lizard from the dawn of time, and this is my wife. It was yep. such a great line. Okay, okay, first of all. Second of all, how do people not realize, okay, her veil is not that That's opaque. Here. yes. Like, yeah. you can totally see she's a lizard. <laughs> Like, yeah. Why do they only look horrified when she lifts it up? Lips fail. Yeah, like, I know. that doesn't make sense. But I, I think that it. they suspect when it's down, and then they're like, "No, it must be an optical illusion." Oh, and then no. And thirdly, I would like to say I would watch a spinoff of Vastrogeny and Strax. So would I. So oh would yeah, I. Absolutely. absolutely. Dear BBC, yep. do this. Because yep. they're just so awesome. Yep. Also, Thomas Thomas needs to go too. Because it was an obvious joke. It was. I, I was not I that amused by it. It was a corny joke, and I think that's what made it better. I I don't know. Was anyone else amused by it. that? Because I was not. Oh yeah, I was amused by it, but. I was amused that they actually good. went there and. I don't know. I always appreciate it when Doctor Who is silly for a bit because I feel like that's an important part of the But they had so many things that were so silly fun. in there. They had Strax, you know, I recommend a grenade. Why? Just as a general course of the matter. I mm. recommend a grenade, absolutely. <laughs> okay. I mean, when there's Strax, you don't really need more comic relief. I don't know. He has brain worms. <laughs> That's a memory worm, and he didn't have it. The memory doctor worms. did, and you know the whole gauntlet thing. I have memory worms. Mm. Yeah, I think we all do here on the show. I, I think it's part of the entrance. And then me. I thought it was really funny how he was like, "Oh, I gotta get Clara," and he never sort of explained to them. Well, actually, she's not not dead because she did. She was dead. Twice. She's not not dead. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> I speak good English. You do. You do. Actually, you read I, it in a book. <laughs> I, I, I managed to make that a correct sentence when I was trying to make it incorrect. I don't know what that says about me. Um, 
But, Not going there. But, but they, okay. they're like the only ones who would get it, right? Unless it was like Amy and Rory, which they never saw her, so why would they care slash know? And, you know, the doctor's incapable of traveling to New York again, apparently, at Good any Denver. time. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then I, I thought the end was particularly cute, and I can't wait to see the next episode with the kids and see what happens with that. Well, I, th- I think Matt one Smith of the things... should work with kids all the time because he's really good with them. Now, I wasn't too spoilery about that, was I? No, you weren't. Thank you. I was being nice. Yes, well, you were. Yeah. Thank you. I try. However, at the end, here's what happened. Oh, sorry. Oh, jeez. I know. Don't. I was trying to be nice. Yeah, I know, and it's all so All right, let's talk about you. Warehouse 13. Did we talk about Warehouse 13? Yeah. Yes. Oh, what, we were sleeping? Did I just miss that? Like, it just yeah, went over yeah. my head. Every you were day. ignoring me! I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. <laughs> what did Actually, I... I want to talk about uh, some of the stuff uh, that's coming on in the fall, because there's some interesting stuff coming on in the fall. Um, three shows in particular. NBC has a show called Believe. It's not called Belieber? No, uh... no. Which would be about Justin Belieber, but it's not. Uh, This is actually a lot of the writing team of Fringe. Oh. Uh, That's the good news. The bad news, it's produced by J.J. Abrams. (laughs) My God. Well, so was Fringe. So was Fringe. Yeah, I know, and it did kind of worries me because he's changed a lot since fringe started you know he's a lot more i don't know whatever fox has a show called almost almost human uh uh and and i guess the generic uh undetermined subtitle for that is sexy robocop (laughs) it's kind of scary and this is another jj abrams show so he's got one on NBC, one on Fox. If he gets one on CBS for old people, we're all set. Oh, God. Um, yeah. On, uh, also on Fox is a show called Sleepy Hollow, with it, which is Ichabod Crane resurrected. What? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Is he in high school? No, it's not in high school. Thank God. You know, he could have done that. He's actually a high school teacher. The CW is listening, and now they're going to do that. He's actually a high school teacher? No. God, it's kind of pathetic. That would have have at least been made canonical sense. Yeah, and yet, no. Yeah, that's true. That's true. The the one that uh, is a rumor at this point is the new CW show called The 100. It's based on the Cass Morgan book, and it takes place 100 years in the future from now, whenever now is. Uh, the human race lives in orbit around the Earth uh, because the Earth has been abandoned. Supplies are running low on the Ark. So some 100, quote, juvenile delinquents are sent back to the surface of the Earth to see if it's habitable. Thanks, I'll stick to Stargate. <laughs> seriously that sounds yeah. like the biggest piece of garbage the only thing what? that i can think of that's a bigger piece of garbage oh god Segway time kids <laughs> and that's i don't care if we've already talked about it already yes megan fox fuck you <laughs> seriously okay I, first I of all seriously when when i was a little when I was a little tiny, soulless ginger, who is shorter than I am now, <laughs> April O'Neil was like my fucking hero. Okay, she didn't take bullshit from anyone. Her action figure came with a fucking gun. That's right. She was badass. And she was an independent woman and, yep. you know, a soulless ginger like me. <laughs> Dear Megan Fox, you don't deserve her. Dear Michael Bay, what the fuck were you fuck thinking? Fuck you, Michael Bay. Fuck you, Megan Fox. I'm sure I could think of a couple others, but... Michael Bay was thinking, 
if he puts this chick in the movie, he's gonna make a lot of money. Yes, because she has yeah. nice tits. Guess what? They're fake. Judging. And they're not that nice. I mean, plenty of actresses have fake boobs. Not just Megan Fox. This is true. This is you have a very valid point. Thank you. Thank you. Why not get someone empowering? Why not get somebody who can act? That. I mean you're reaching for the stars here, but I mean there are plenty of decent looking actresses out there who can actually get a full fucking sentence out of their mouth. Megan Fox was never one of those. You know who I would really love to see, and this would be really funny. I don't know oh. if she could pull it off. Could you see Allison Hannigan doing this? No. I think yes! I yeah. think she could, and I think she would do it, and I think she would pull it off. I can I see Allison Hannigan like five, ten years ago doing exactly, it. Exactly, but the Not Allison Hannigan now is on How I Met Your Mother. No. No, I, I mean, she's still really, really ridiculously good looking. Yes, she is. Zoolander <laughs> <But>, face! <laughs> thank you. But she's not, I don't think she's, no, it doesn't work for me anymore. Well, you have this image of her in her in your head, but she's a, she's a decent actress. Oh, it's, yeah, she's she, she, she is. I, I think she could pull it off. I think her hey, versatility Red would surprise yes. you. Yes. What do you think about making this the poll question for next week? Yeah, who would you cast as April O'Neil, Bianches? If Megan Fox was actually stoned to death, and can we make that happen? (laughs) You mean stoned to death or was so stoned that she could... Well, no, that's how she is in most movies. I'm sorry, that's Kristen, what's her name? (laughs) Oh, Kristen Stewart, yeah. Yeah. Mouth breather. (laughs) Yes, the mouth breather. (laughs) However, However, despite all this, major shout-outs to Kevin Eastman who we got to see, X and I got to see on Saturday. Well, he has nothing to do with this, right? I know he doesn't. Actually, That's I why know. He, he has sick. nothing to do with this, so. Major shout out to Kevin and to Fiona Russell, who we talked about last week on the show. And Fiona was just made vice president of Heavy Metal Magazine. Nice. Nice. How did you get that gig? Oh, never mind. Okay. <laughs> She's been working with him for all these years no, at, at the museum and everything. And Fiona is like one of the nicest people on the planet. But she's really good because she'll tell the artist what to do. She'll be like, put that over there. <laughs> Hang that up over there. <laughs> when you when you were with Kevin, did you uh, get the chance to uh, get him back on the show? Hint, hint, hint. I'm sure he would when we... A- if we asked him to, but at that point he was so busy. I don't know. I didn't know there were that many people in Rochester, New Hampshire, let alone. There weren't. They came from all over the, <laughs> there were the sh- And they were all the nights at Columbus Hall, too, which was yeah. that, that free comic book day has done wonders for the town of Rochester. Yes, oh, it does. Yeah. yeah, Jetpack did a good job with that. But I sure had a friend of mine who, who grew up from Nashua and said he waited for two hours to try and get in to see Kevin and then finally gave up. Yeah, I mean, you walk into Jetpack and right there was Chris Golden and we got to say hi to Chris Golden. Hey, how you doing, Chris? And then we were like, oh yeah, you got to go over to the Knights of Columbus Hall. And I mean, there, the Knights of Columbus Hall was filled with artists. Yeah. The corner was Kevin and you had to get in line and stuff. Um, but also we got to meet Kevin's girlfriend, who Courtney, who is like the sweetest thing, and she's actually from Hillsborough, New Hampshire. They oh, cool. They didn't meet in New Hampshire, but yet they're both from New Hampshire, and it was like it's beautiful. She's absolutely beautiful. So, hi everybody. <laughs> kind of left that one just hanging out there. So while we're while we're at that point, anyway. Why don't we uh, shoot directly to the poll? Oh, okay. Because mm-hmm. it's that time anyway. So the poll this week was we asked people, what was your favorite free comic for free comic book day? Because there were quite a number of them, as there are every year. And although we did have some people complaining that either they didn't get to get there or that... When they got there, they were running out of comics. I know Harrison's up at the mall actually ran out of comics. 
to the point where they put a bunch of their dollar comics on the table for free and were letting people just pick out dollar comics that they wanted because they were completely out. So, yay, free comic book day. Um, so, coming in at number three, we had Atomic Robo. Yay, Atomic Robo. They're friends of the show. Absolutely. And then we had a tie for number two, and that was a tie between the Walking Dead comic and... Which, Mom by the way, was wonderful. I think I voted for that one. I think you did. Thank you for voting, Kriana. You're welcome, darling. Uh, <laughs> and that was tied with Molly Danger, which, who is, is, which is Jamal Eigel, which is, again, friend of the show. Yay, Molly. Absolutely. He was on, us, on our show a long, long time ago. We should try to get him back on again. We should. We should. Let's talk about Molly. Jamal and I actually emailing about that. Hello? What did you say, love? We missed you. We are we're already in the process of getting Jamal on the show. Oh, perfect. Hey. I'm a mind reader. Excellent. Perfect. You are. And number one was kind of a surprise. Everybody Not for me, really but... <laughs> liked the Grimm comic. It was number one. Yeah, absolutely. So if you got a copy of it, consider yourself lucky because not everybody did. Like, like you know, if you want to share one with your favorite dead redhead, that would be nice. Nobody's so they, giving up their copy. <laughs> fine. Fine. Barnabas and I will just go slunk off in the corner. But no, actually, and then we will put up the new poll, guys, and we will ask who you want to be April. So there. Actually, my favorite comment on the Facebook post was uh, from a gentleman by the name of Michael Doherty. What? When asked, what was your who favorite comic book? Yeah, I don't know. said, uh, um, the free one. Uh, I see what he did there. I yeah, me too. Uh, so Mike, we'll be sending you a free comic. <laughs> just just cause we can. For no apparent reason, actually. <laughs> or something. Or something. And then some. Huh. Well, we're at the halfway point. Are we? We are. Did we? We are. We done did it. Okay. How many, how many people have I alienated this show? We should keep a running total. That's Megan Fox and who else? Michael Bay. Michael Bay. He's uh, been alienated before. That's yeah. true. That's true. We probably alienated Megan Fox, too. So. Yeah, I already said that. Well, I, I mean before the show. Oh, yeah. Yeah, many times. But I think and we just hit on it today quite nicely. Oh, you know, you know what I feel would be a good segue into our guest? Go ahead. Um... Being, being that a, a certain piece of art that our guest sent, um, that Zomburian can describe it to you because she's completely in love with it with good reason. Neil Gaiman is penning uh, the next episode of Doctor Who. Woo! Oh, is Cyberman. he? Cyberman. Oh. Last what he did was so amazing. That's where we got to see the TARDIS as a person. That's right. That was quite a wonderful, uh, wonderful one. Our guest favorite. tonight is, well, yeah, Neil Gaiman's not your favorite. I get that. We know that. He's, he'll never be on the show. Because so tell he, us about our guest tonight. Dad. He doesn't want to face you. He should be afraid. <laughs> our guest tonight has written a graphic novel, and we're going to talk about the Beast of Wolf's Bay. Eric Evans and Eric, welcome to the show. Again, thanks for having me. Well, it's it's kind of interesting is we used to work in the same place many long years ago. Yes, I've heard <laughs> that. And uh, it was like, at that point, I just kind of went, well, now we've got to have you on the show. Gosh, I hope the book is good. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah. I've even read it me, this time. Me too. I hope it's good too. <laughs> well, I think I got kind of lucky because uh, we kind of spread it around the entire cast and Everybody kind of really liked it. Oh, wonderful. <clears throat> That's In, great. Including uh, Dave Von Doom, who uh, actually I tossed it to the minute I got it and said, Dave, what do you think? So, Dave. What do you think? Dave, <laughs> what do I think? Yeah. I, I actually really liked it. I thought it was great. Um, I was pretty surprised by it. Um, 
my favorite part was really the characters and the development. I don't know. They kind of grow throughout the story. Yeah. And uh, that was really awesome. I basically it, the whole thing blindsided me though the mystery it was it was really fun to read I got into it you know the characters grow on you and then they kind of grow up in their own way and uh, it was just great. Well, thanks. So, that means a lot. So, so, Eric, talk talk to us a little bit because this had the tendency when you first started reading it to be oh god another one of these stories. Uh, so tell us a little bit about the story and why it's really not another one of these stories. Well, actually, I'd like to know what you mean by that. I don't know what these stories you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but it may help to uh, explain some stuff for me as to why people keep kind of like turning down reviewing it. <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, okay. So, so wait, maybe I should take this one or explain a yeah, little what, better. Yeah. What what are these? What kind of these stories are you talking about? I started it and I was like, oh, this could go either way. Uh, <laughs> am I gonna stick with it? Am I gonna read the whole thing? And then I thought, I okay. So it was your art that actually made me keep going. Okay. Um, I really liked your style and um, the, the writing was pretty good but it, i think it missed the grab at the beginning to me okay um and, and that's definitely maybe one point where people are turning down reviews because if it doesn't grab you in the first couple pages some people who you know get tons and millions of things to review if it doesn't they'll just be like whatever see you later um but but i really liked your art and i and i read it and then i started reading do you have a thing at the back that starts talking about like where you got your inspiration from yeah, and you the started notes, talking yeah. about Beowulf, and I was like, oh, that totally makes sense now. <laughs> it had just been sort of like niggling in the back of my brain that I, I something about this felt familiar, and I just couldn't make the connection. And then you said that, and I was like, I get it. It's a tale as old as time. It is, it is. But I think I think some of the dialogue comes off as like, Maybe a Buffy wannabe, but not quite. Okay. Not quite the, with the queen. In the beginning, dialogue. though. Yeah, like I said, in the beginning, that's what I meant. When you get into the body of the book, like 15, 20, 25 pages into it, man, it just takes off like a son of a bitch nicely. Uh, it, it, the writing gets crisper, uh, the dialogue. Yeah, and the, one of the things that bothered me more than anything else was the dialogue in the first five or six pages. Okay. Yo, bro. Way too many. Huh, like, yes, the bro. The oh, bros. the bros. Oh. <laughs> you had to oh. get through the bros. Man, yeah. I'll tell you, I wanted to punch I one liked of those it. characters in it the It made head. me laugh. Well, that, you know, I was sort of deliberately making very punchable characters. Yeah. You sure uh, were. <laughs> you did so too good of a job. So, too so good of a so job. For them. They got their heads smashed in with a rock. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, once... yeah, they got what was coming. Yeah, they did. <laughs> so why don't you tell the audience a little bit about the story because the story has some really interesting right at right at the beginning a couple of really interesting twists sure well it's uh um i mean the the overall gist of the of the story is that it's about a couple of nerds who wind up going on a sasquatch hunt um but you can kind of go into it a little more than that um our main character is a guy named uh, Brian Wegman. He's uh, he's an anthropology grad student, and he's a uh, 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 he's teaching while he finishes up his his PhD. And but he's kind of stuck. He can't really he can't really seal the deal. He can't finish his finish his dissertation. And uh, when we first meet him, he's just sort of had a a, a bad run in with his advisor. He's had a a run in with some some uh, meathead students who kind of start walking all over him and his uh, dissertation draft has been rejected. <laughs> and uh, so he gets called in to uh, consult on this uh, homicide investigation, which has some um, somewhat uh, unsettling implications uh, because of some squatchy looking footprints that have walked around, uh, been walking around the crime scene. And so he, uh, he has to go and, and basically apply his expertise and um, uh, try to figure out how these, uh, how these kids died. Um, let's see. That's sort of my teaser. <laughs> what, what else should I tell you guys? 
Um, I think well, it's he... interesting you use the word squatchy. Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, the whole thing is pretty tongue in cheek, which I think a lot of people don't get when they first see it. Um, because I don't think we're used to seeing kind of tongue in cheek comics right now. But, um, let's see, I, I'd pulled a bunch of sort of thematic inspiration from, um, actually, I didn't write about this, but, uh, in my notes, but um, I was actually inspired a little bit by John Scalzi's red shirts. Oh see, my see, God. Now, That's how you know I actually read it. I even read your notes, right? Yeah. <laughs> Love that book. There's no bullshit here. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I, sometimes I'm like, yeah, I, I read that. But you know it's true. Yeah, right, right. Actually, it was one of the deals where a lot of times, there, there are some times where we will get an e-copy of a book and we'll send it out to the entire cast, and then we'll get on at, at, to do our, our pre-show prep. And I ask the musical question, okay, who's read it? Yeah. <laughs> and then we get this kind of sad little silence. Um, <laughs> um, and and yeah. then we play the nose game, like, not it. <laughs> <laughs> didn't happen in this case. Oh, good. Um, no, it didn't happen at all. And, and I think one of the cool things is, too, is that you not only did all the writing, but because of your background as a graphic artist, this is your artwork completely as well. Yeah, that's totally true. I mean, I'm uh, I'm not really trained as a writer, which you know, some of you may have picked up on a little bit <laughs> the first few pages of the book. Uh, but uh, I started oh uh, writing my own comics mainly because I, I haven't... Um, uh, mainly because I just haven't really found a partnership with a writer uh, that's been lasting enough beyond a project or two, uh, and I have more ideas than I have, um, you know, contacts. So, um, so yeah, I, I just kind of started doing my own stuff. It's it's my second graphic novel release um, where I wrote. The first one was an adaptation as well. It was called Gods of Asgard, and it was a just a straight adaptation of the Norse myths. So this one was one where I actually. Um, was working on characters and character development and um, putting a plot together. So, and so like I, that. I don't want to discourage you by, by picking at your writing because <laughs> overall it was it was not bad. I, I would go even so far as to say overall it was pretty good. Oh well, thank you. <laughs> um, but but maybe um, I, I don't know who's editing your stuff right now, but a good editor can take you very far. Well, thanks. And, and I noticed that there's kind of a thematic aspect happening across your graphics, uh, graphic novels, with somehow the, all centered in mythology for some reason. Yeah, I'm a big mythology geek, actually. Um, yeah, uh, the, the, the first one I did, Gods of Asgard, was such a um, sort of a lifelong project, lifelong dream, if you if you want to put it that way. I think I had the idea for it when I was 13 and then um picked it up again when i was like 26 wow uh, that's a I, long rest <laughs> yeah it was like twice twice my life <laughs> um but you know i started working on it when i was 13 and and when you're 13 you really don't have the abilities or the the maturity to to handle something like that and i think i started i got like one page in and i said ah yep yep this isn't something i can do right now i have to actually put it down and pick it up later uh, and kind of forgot about it for a long time. And I went to art school and I got some jobs. And then at some point I just decided to pick it back up and put it together. And I got about three quarters done with it and, uh, sent it into the Zurich foundation. Um, yes. you guys talking speaking about of the turtles. Yeah. Speaking <laughs> of the turtles, Kev, um, Peter Laird's, uh, Zurich foundation. Right. And, uh, so I got a, a one of the Zurich grants from 2007 to publish nice. that. And, uh, yeah, yeah, that was pretty, pretty awesome. I mean, each of these books takes quite a long time for me to to do. So, Gods of Asgard was a couple of years in the making, and uh, Beast. Um, I think I started I started rewriting. I had the original idea for it a few years ago, and uh, started rewriting it about a year and a half ago, and um, then uh, drawing it shortly thereafter as well. So, um, so by the time I had started Beast, uh, the Xerix were no were on their way out. <laughs> <laughs> so uh that wasn't um that wasn't something that i was going to do but uh, but i did put it on kickstarter and i wound up getting um having a pretty successful kickstarter campaign that 
allowed me to fund a print run and uh, get it into previews. It's going to hit the shelves of some select comic shops in starting in June, and it's uh, on Amazon and um, I, iTunes bookstore, and uh, it's available for uh, Kindle. So it's it's out there now. It's in a bunch of marketplaces. Actually, both books are. So you're essentially doing the best of both worlds, getting to do what you, write what you want to write, being your own artist, which means you don't really, you're not really collaborating. You're actually getting your own vision, both visually and, and plot wise out there on your own terms. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, Beast was pretty much all me, except I had some assistance with color flats. A wonderful guy named Jeff Fugelsang, uh, who lives in um, um, the New York City area. And then my my good friend Matt Talbot uh, helped me out with uh, lettering chores, and he he's lettered some of my work before. Uh, if you guys were at Free Comic Book Day in Rochester, uh, then you definitely ran into Matt because he was there. Uh, promoting a um, Adventure Time cover that he did for the Freak Comic Book Day um, book of that. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so other than that, though, yeah, I mean, I wrote it, I penciled, inked, um, and uh, once the color flats came in, I handled the coloring as well. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, I've been pretty fortunate in that I've been able to actually put it together in that Is, way. Isn't that also kind of difficult though? At the same time. Oh, it's immensely difficult. <laughs> I mean, you don't you don't have anybody to bounce the ideas off of during the the actual process itself. Yeah, it's totally true. Um, I mean, my my wife is um, my wife is a pretty creative person as well, and so she and I would basically get into it wasn't quite a routine, but we would just go out go out into the woods and we'd walk around, and and she'd help me hash out story beats and. Um, what was happening to some of these characters. And um, mainly it was, you know, I would get too close to it to really see uh, where things were going or how characters needed to evolve. And she kind of helped me through that a lot. But yeah, other than that, it's, uh, uh, yeah, I was handling it a lot on my own. And, um, but it, it also kind of served as a crash course in, uh, in uh, writing <laughs> as well. <laughs> So there are a lot of people who we've talked to, uh, say, for example, who simply are inkers. That's all they do. Right. Or simply illustrators. So if, looking at your next project, would it be difficult for you at this point to work with a writer or conversely work with an illustrator on your next project? Oh, you know, I've, I've never really haven't really thought about that from this stage, from this standpoint. It used to be that I just really wanted to find a writer to work on stuff with and never, um, never really found the right partnership. And so I just kind of sat on my butt um, and I would draw these like two or three page sample scripts for these indie anthologies. And once, I think once or twice something got, got published, I, I had a, I think a five page story in the zombie bomb comic anthology with my, uh, with uh, I one read of my, that. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was in the issue six, the last rights issue with um, my friend Chris McKay, and um, so so that one actually worked out. But I, I mean, for the, for that one, there were just a whole bunch of these other three page things, and, and they didn't always work out. <laughs> um, and so I eventually, yeah, I eventually just needed to stop messing around with these little things and actually get a big project out there. I'm kind of a big picture thinker, and I need to have a a holistic project to to actually um, chew on while I'm working, and so um, being able to adapt a story or uh, write my own story kind of um, allowed me to do that, and I think uh, made me a little more focused and a little more involved. Can I just say, way sure. to go! Well, yeah, thanks. exactly. That's awesome. Like, like you're you're too awesome to just sit around waiting for a writer. Just, just. <laughs> You just put yourself out there and do it I am anyway. A firm, I am a firm believer in um, just making things happen. There's so many people in this world who have great ideas for stuff, but they don't 
you know, for some reason or another, maybe it's financial, maybe they have, uh, maybe it's time, they're not able to see these things through to fruition. But, um, but I think there's really something to be said for just putting your pencil to paper and getting something done. Um, Absolutely. Isn't that what they say? The first step is always the hardest. Mm -hmm. Yep. I think the, I, I think the, I think the hardest part is, is, uh, seeing something from your drawing table to the to its finished state in my opinion um metaphorically speaking i guess like from the drawing board to the wherever it's going um that's the tricky part and, and i think in a way that that's where having a team helps too because when you have a team you can you sort of feed off each other's energy yeah you know what i'm talking yeah. about so so first of all i applaud you for what you did because well, thanks. I, I can't imagine having the motivation to do that all myself. <laughs> and, and I'm generally a pretty motivated person, so that's kind of a big deal. Um, it's just yeah, like... I think it's kind of insane that, you know, uh, because I know artists who spend, you know, just so much time working on the visual aspect and sweating over that and writers sweating over the, the plot and, and, and the characterizations and, and the God making the words sound like they're actually coming out of somebody's mouth. All that, you know, all that is the difficulty of the writing process or the difficulty of the visual process. Sure. To, to, when you, when you're working with a partner, you have that other person to go, uh, seriously, that's what you want to do? Or <laughs> well, I mean, you you can even get that within other people. I mean, if if you have, like I said, a good editor will take you very far. Mm -hmm. I I mean, I don't want to insult whoever's been editing your work so far. Oh, nobody's edited my work. Nobody? Yeah, nobody. Wow, that's amazing. All right, now I'm slightly more <laughs> impressed. Well, because exactly. I, I don't understand no, how terrible. it's that good without <laughs> anyone else like reading it and sort of giving you a any feedback at all. It's been very Take the praise, Eric. <laughs> I, yeah, she doesn't give it lightly. I really I don't. Oh, well, you must know this if you've watched or you listen to past episodes, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, if I have nothing nice to say, I get really quiet. <laughs> <laughs> and I hardly ever talk in the second half. Yeah, she doesn't really talk in the second half unless she actually has something to say or really actually has something she wants people to know. One or the other. Um, <laughs> and they're not always good things. They're not always they're good things. They're actually mostly not good things. Um, but but I, I find that really incredible. But but seriously, having having someone you trust to give you not just any feedback, because let's face it, any feedback is not useful. Saying this sucks oh, is yeah. not useful feedback. And it's not helping anyone. It's just frustrating you and making you like less likely to accept feedback. What what you need is someone who's who's gonna tell you something like, All right, the first couple pages were not very strong. You get really strong in this point, and this is the point where I really start caring. So let's work on making the first couple pages really strong. And a okay. good editor will be able to see that and pull apart and tell you Maybe not exactly why, but, but like exactly what your strengths are. Point you in the direction. At, at least yep. give you an idea of, of how to improve yourself. Sure. So, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead, Eric. Oh, nothing. I'm just not sure how to respond. <laughs> oh, sorry. I did the thing again. That's so, okay. Eric, of these three, what's the difference between... The School of the Museum of Fine Arts in Boston, yeah. Bemidji University, yeah. and Thunderwood College. <laughs> um, Two of them actually exist. Yep, and Thunderwood <laughs> is a phony institution. <laughs> oh, I love that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's quite a marvelous school, actually. You can go and major in just about anything. Anything Seriously? you can think of. Well, that's amazing. Yeah, and and they give you a degree really quickly. You can download <laughs> it. You can you can print it out. Um, You've I got a one... copy of it in the book. That's that's exactly right. Um, you so, might note that I uh, did not say I earned that no, degree. Said, I said I obtained it. Awesome. <laughs> I'm going to go obtain a degree in cardiac surgery. 
You probably can. <laughs> I sent one to a friend of mine in parapsychology so that he could have the same uh, yes. d- degree as uh, Peter Venkman. Perfect. <laughs> one of those. So you got your you obtained your doctorate in cryptozoology. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but my other degrees are all for real. Oh, okay, good. I, I'm I'm actually happy to hear that. Yeah. Because having only one fake degree makes you actually more believable. <laughs> well, I if you're to... admitting your only fake degree, then then we don't have to look too closely at the other. That's ones. right. We're, we're not going to look at the other ones. We're going to believe those. Yeah. That's right. Don't look too closely. But no, no, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I have a couple of art degrees. I've been uh, teaching for a little while. Um, sort of how I've been spending my days lately is teaching uh, art and design, and uh, that's they allow me to do that. So you should have your students listen to the show this weekend. Oh my God! What a bad <laughs> idea! <that> would be. <laughs> I just might. All right, all right, all right. Here, here's the time to get into one of my favorite topics. So you've published this. I know it's on the iBook store because I, I just went to go look up your Gods of Asgard book, mm-hmm. and you're, you said you're on Kindle and, <laughs> and, shoot, there was another one. Uh, Amazon. Well, Amazon is Kindle. It's available for print through. Oh, Amazon. okay, okay. So yeah. print, and Kindle, and iBooks. Is mm-hmm. that it? Uh, Nook Comics. And Nook. So you're no- nowhere selling a DRM-free version of it. Uh, actually, am I? I don't think so, no. Okay. So I- I'm just wondering how your experience with digital publishing was, and also publishing on your own. I actually have done a lot more uh, business in general um, through print copies, actually, I used the service uh, Create Space mm-hmm. with Gods of Asgard. I, I I had an initial print run. That's what was sent out to stores. You can still find copies of that particular print run in stores, um, various stores uh, around the country, I think. But um, but then I started using Create Space, and I've done a pretty steady business with Gods of Asgard. Uh, through CreateSpace, and that's been my that's been been my biggest income stream, I think. Now, is that a print-on-demand service? It is a print-on-demand service, and I've had a pretty marvelous experience with them, and I'd recommend them to anybody um, who's looking into self-publishing or small press, or 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 just um, having a um, uh, like a print-on-demand version of a different book. I mean. What it allows me to do is to sit back and not worry about fulfillment or, um, you know, anything like that. It gives it gives it a pretty prominent place in a pretty prominent um, online marketplace, and uh, and then I get a paycheck once a month as well. So uh, not, a, not, bad so, not so a bad thing. Not a bad thing. Why did you choose Create Space over, say, like Lulu? Well, I have used Lulu, and I uh, really appreciate their product and their quality in general, but uh, CreateSpace, CreateSpace offered me a much cheaper um, price point, for instance. Okay. So, so, so the um, initial starting price point is, is lower than anywhere else that you could make it? Yeah, I think Lightning Source is actually a pretty strong competitor with CreateSpace, but um, I haven't really looked into Lightning Source to the extent where I've started using it. Uh, so I can't really speak to that, but uh, Create Space versus Lulu, um, yeah, I, I think print versus the print quality is. I, I mean, is, I feel like you did a lot of research on this because I did. I, I, I can tell because I've just googled print on demand services, and that's nowhere even close to the first page of results. So was it just the <laughs> price point that had you make that decision, or was it anything else? Oh no, well, in, you know, it they, uh, what Create Space does is, is it allows you to list and sell through Amazon, which is huge. Um, and they also offer um, distribution through a bunch of different other resources, like different other online booksellers. Um, so you can kind of find it in random places throughout the internet because of that. But um, yeah, price was a major factor. Second major factor was um, was print quality and um and accessibility, and then of course the third major factor was um, ease of use. Because uh, as a designer, I'm kind of a usability nerd, 
And if something is easy for me to do, then I'm going to do it. <laughs> and if it's difficult for me to do, if there are barriers, cost like several different cost barriers or um, production barriers, then I'm less likely to take that one on. Um, so uh, yeah, it was easy to use. It was relatively um, gives people it, it puts my product out in a relatively broad sense, and uh, yeah, and it pays me once a month. So pretty good. All good things. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, if you don't mind me asking, and I'm going to ask this in completely general terms, the ratio of compensation that goes to you versus the fulfillment company, how did that compare to other? Places. Well, I would get more money if I just printed up a large number of them, kept them in my house, and then went to the post office well, three times. Right, right, no, but I mean, like, <laughs> how, how does Create Space compare with its competitors in that regard? Oh, okay. Well, compared to Lulu, its cost is a lot lower. It's, I'm trying to think of a specific price point, and I can't. I think, I think a comparable book to Gods of Asgard, not the same book, not the same page count, um, had a minimum price point of like. 17 or 18 bucks and so if you bought that particular book um you didn't have anything on top for your profit Ugh. you know what i mean yeah. so <laughs> that's where it differs because <laughs> uh, lulu is fantastic uh as i've said i've used them for a number of projects and i really enjoy their quality um but they didn't give me that price well yeah, i mean i don't I, I don't mean to call out Lulu in particular. It just seemed to be the most popular one that I found off the top yeah, of my brain. One everyone knows, and a blurb is another one that everyone knows. Um, but uh, yeah, Create Space for self-publishing is um, I'm 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 a total fanboy. I'm I'm going to go on record as saying that's my that's my go-to. See, and these are good to know because occasionally people do ask us things like this, and uh -huh. you've gone and done all the research for me. Absolutely. Yeah, well, I was uh, I just did a book cover for. Um, for a guy in in Boston um, whose last name is eluding me right now. Oh, Brendan Halpin, that's it. Um, he's a young adult. He's typically a young adult writer, but he wrote a, um, a superhero novel about uh, 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 kind of a, a superhero in training who has to um, investigate her mother's death. Her mother was this big Batman-esque superhero, and she has to, um, you know, suit up and solve the mystery it's called enter the bluebird and uh so he and i were just about a month ago talking about the pros and cons of create space and uh he's going self-publishing with this particular book and and uh and so I, I hope he goes that route i think he can do some pretty good business that way so this is brendan helping he wrote donor boy yep okay I'm just going to paste the link in here for everyone to his Goodreads profile. So you can oh, cool. See. Oh, yeah, Good. totally. He's a Boston-based writer, too. Which is kind yeah. of where we are, so. Yeah. yeah, and a heck of a guy. Check it out. I've never we should We should probably get him on at some point. That might not be a bad idea. Zombrain, he seems right up your alley with the young adult. Mm -hmm. And right up my alley with uh, the superhero stuff. Yeah. So that might work. The there book is go. called... The Beast of Wolf's Jeez, Bay. I was totally not ready for this. <laughs> you haven't been I was too busy talking. Yes. Wow. You have no idea what that means, Eric. She was actually paying attention to the guests. <laughs> that never happens. Usually well, I, I'm not ready for this because I'm like knitting. Well, I, who am I kidding? I was still knitting. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> a, a graphic novel written and drawn by Eric Evanson. And it's marvelous. We'll post links for you to pick it up. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? What's going on in the next couple of weeks, Kriana? Well, on May 18th, we have Roberto Hoyos, creator of Throwboy Pillows. If you haven't seen these, <laughs> they're really cool. So yeah. look it up. He has a Kickstarter. And on May 25th, we have the cast of Improvised Star Trek. That would be very odd. Huh. Or something. It'll be or something. We're good with that. <laughs> Dead Redhead. Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of Boston Comic-Con, GraniteCon, and of ComicArthouse.com. Visit ComicArthouse.com for the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. Tonight's outro music provided by The Traffic Lights. Pick up their CD, Hold the Folk, at RobWattsOnline.com. Don't. 
I want to thank Eric Evanson for joining us tonight. It was kind of interesting, and we kept Kriana amused for a half an hour. That <laughs> never happens. Except for with Stargate. That's true. From the Revere Time Vortex, the sweetheart of the soundboard, Kriana and Grandma Girl Zombrarian, thank you very much, ladies. Is your Chevron locked? I guess we'll never know. From the Four Color Vault of Comics, thank you, Dead Redhead. Beware the Barry Manilow fans! From his Zeppelin high above the Latvian steps, Von Doom, thank you, my friend. Thank you, and good night. This is Dome saying, Genie, shared pain is lessened, shared joy is increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Good night, everyone. Oh.